So I guess it says we already know what the topic is. Dan Danny, we might as well inform the people who've got this video that there's going to be some real class language <laughs> joyfully thrown in the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this has also been done before. Uh-huh. And that you're asking a really important question, and the answer to that has to be seen at a very, very deep biological level. This is instinctual. That stuff is still there. You haven't rooted it all out yet, mm -hmm. but you've been whacking on it. I mean, you've got it down to a stop. Now we need to start looking at the roots of all of this stuff. <laughs> and you know that uh, St. Paul, or whatever they want to call him, he said that money was the root of all evil. But as I think I've told you one time before, he was a little bit off. Actually, money is the hip pocket of all evil. The root lies elsewhere. <laughs> 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 and there is deep, deep biological things in there that is actually almost as powerful as the self-preservation instinct. Uh -huh. That in fact, you could say that it's nature or biology or the big dharma or whatever word that you want to put onto it, so long as it's not a magical word, but an actual reality is, is that there is something in nature that conspires against us mm. so that we want women bad enough that we're going to have a new generation. <laughs> there is something against us because us holy dudes, we know how much danger there is in that stuff. And yet we are drawn literally by the pecker. <laughs> Yeah, and yet there's something else going on in there as well. For me, there's an ego thing. There's the I'm not enough. I need to prove something to myself. Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer because it's personal and we're on the air. How many times have you been laid in your life? Oh, at least a dozen. Only like, 12? Are you talking about partners or number of instances <laughs> number of different females with number of different kinds of boxes and all their various shapes and forms how many of them have you been to yeah probably a dozen around that i'm disappointed <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah and so the, the, there's this old... <laughs> you don't even know which direction I'm disappointed in. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> okay. Have you had enough of it that you know that they're all alike? No. Well, then you need to get at least enough so that you know that they're all alike. So I'll sing you a song that I learned when I was 14. It was actually a song that I had to learn to play for recital, but I had no idea how much Dhamma there was in this song. Uh -huh. And the song was, there's lots of good fish in the sea, the sea, there's lots of good fish in the sea. 
and I've got my hooker pecker. <laughs> okay, so this is what we're getting at is, is that when you feel satisfied, you'll quit. I and I'm right, and it's not it's not a permanent thing. I, I flip in and out of it. Welcome to a Nietzsche. Welcome right. to everything is up and down according to causes, conditions. You think you've got it licked, and then that thing is staring you in the face, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all been there. We've all done that. And we really don't like the fact that this is the Buddha put this in there. But wake up, or wait a minute, it's a wake-up call to recognize that, first off, the reality is this is a biological thing. And mm. it literally grabs you by the, <laughs> leads you around. <laughs> and we're, we are forced and bound to go by it, what it says to do, especially if that's all the mind that we have. And in mm -hmm. fact, there's many jokes in English language about um, <laughs> which brain are you thinking with? Uh huh. Well, mm -hmm. in that regard, we're thinking with the reptilian brain. That's the one who controls the heart on it. It's the one who does that blood flow stamping kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Not the frontal cortex. The frontal cortex is saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what is it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mr. Robinson, Mr. Robinson, danger, danger, da no, Will Rogers, that was it. <laughs> Will Rogers, Will Rogers, danger, danger. <laughs> right, and that that is so present in me th through all of this stuff. And so can you see, can you see the conflict? Been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? no. It's there. I know yeah. it's human, and every meditator that I know of makes it out, makes it into a problem, rather than a delicious toy to play with. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean it exactly the way that you took that. <laughs> Please clarify. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd rather than qualify or clarify on that point, move on to the point that everyone has these deep biological needs and the, the questions that are asked lead young men to believe that only young men want it because the girls have been told how dangerous it is and to stay away from the boys and blah, 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 blah like that. And they've got enough evidence and proof that they're scared the hell out of it. In fact, the religions are the ones who do that. To where, in fact, what's going on nowadays is completely different. Because see what the whole issue about sex and sexuality is twofold. One is that it's physically dangerous. And number two, it's emotionally dangerous. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so long as you can handle both of those issues correctly, vibrantly, and with a plum, then there will be no suffering. But it's going to take a whole lot of honesty. 
And now the first thing is, is that uh, medical, modern medical science is not the same now as it was centuries ago or even in my youth. That things are completely different and the religious people are doing everything they can to make it hard. Mm-hmm. They want to keep it hard. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make it easy on the physical level. For mm-hmm. some reason, sexuality is still very much a no-no and a sin. But the Buddha didn't make it a sin. He made it something that we need to watch for because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And if we learn how to manage that danger, like I said, with a plum, with joy, with beauty, without any suffering, that's actually a part of the path that everybody has to take. Now, the other side of the coin, if there's in fact a coin there or even sides, but women have the same needs that the men do. And as they get to a certain age, they don't have any more control over it than the guys do. And things get really easy. And this is a time of life when divorce happens and, and uh, relationships that have been traditionally mandated start to break down. Uh-huh. In the old, old days, way back before there was any religions or any of that kind of stuff, sometime after we got fire and sometime before we started planting rice or whatever, there was a time when relationships between a man and a woman would only last if she was pregnant until the child himself was capable of being a member of the society, Uh which in those days was about the age of six or seven, something in that neighborhood. Uh Once a kid really starts to feel his oats, he's on his own and dad's off with the other guys, okay? And so relationships didn't start happening until the whole idea of ownership of women. Uh-huh. This is my daughter. I had to raise her, blah, blah, blah. And you can see where the whole idea of marriage came from. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was in ownership of property. Uh-huh. Till death do we part means, hey, man, I bought her. I paid you, old man, a good dollar for this girl. She's mine and she can't run away and go back home. She's mine. I paid for her. Until her death, which I may cause. What a contract. And she doesn't even get to sign. She doesn't even get to sign. No wonder women are beginning to rethink the whole idea of marriage when they realize where the roots of it are. And this really terrifies the Christians and others who hold religious ceremonies like marriage sacred. But here's the rub. All all of the society from old, old times, right through the time of Jesus and way up until probably the dark ages or more, that whole area of the world was not monogamous. Uh Monogamous relationships happened by law in Rome, specifically Uh because it was originally a a den of thieves, a pirate's cove, and that there wasn't enough women to go around. And so most of the women that did wind up in Rome were, were uh, vandalized. Their communities were, were ripped and she was taken to Rome. And all the women there were property. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so marriage actually then became a barter system 
because one man can only own one woman. Uh-huh. That's where marriage comes from. This is worth looking up. This is the story that's been there so long I've forgotten where I even learned this story, but it was probably in, in college. Uh-huh. So now you can understand marriage and what it really is, but a lot of women are attached to it uh-huh. as a ceremonial or a legalistic way of fulfilling a deep need that comes out of the instincts. Well, and there's the whole fairy tale thing as well, right? Exactly. No matter how uh, aware and conscious most people think they are, they want that Prince Charming Sleeping Beauty kind of will ride off into the sunset and uh, everything will be taken care of for us by some magical force called love. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so we've got our deep biological systems going in the sense that real relationships only last a few years, and that's only in case there's a child. That, in fact, in the really, really old days, sorry to say it, most relationships started with rape. And in Mm -hmm. Islam, that's still the case. Mm -hmm. If that young guy gets that young girl, he's responsible for their... He's responsible from now on for her. We're going to beat the tar out of him. He says, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Three bags full, sir. Daddy, you pay this man so that I can have this girl that I wanted so bad I raped her in the alley. (laughs) And that is so widespread still today. And I don't imagine that it's impossible to see that happening in both England and the United States outside of the Muslim community. Oh, sure. I think, in fact, well, Alabama would be a place that you could find that kind of behavior. Yeah, also, you know, it's it's often not so black and white as it's consensual or it's not. There's all kinds of gray area in between, right? Absolutely. And that whole gray area, then, is fraught with legal problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is better to know what the laws are, et cetera, so that it, at least we're not causing suffering in the sense of breaking some laws. That's mm-hmm. an important thing. The next thing is that full honesty, and this may be, in fact, uh, quite delightful and chilling for some women to talk to someone like you who is saying up front, this is what I'm hoping, this is what I'm expecting, and this is what I'm hoping for you to be in the state and expecting so that we can find a way to be really, really good friends, whether we're in bed or not. You would think so. You would think that that might be... No, that'll scare the tar out of them, (laughs) or many of them. You have to be really careful with how quickly you can. You don't mention that kind of thing in a bar on your upon upon first meeting. No, no, because that'll scare them. Mm -hmm. But eventually, before the act, that has to be straightened out, even if it's pillow talk. Well, again, you would think so, but there, there's, there seems to be so many layers of social conditioning to contend with and so many hoops to jump through, so much uh, smoke and mirrors, one might say. Then why bother? 
which was what we're eventually precisely, getting around to. Precisely, <laughs> which is, right, which is when I'm not telling myself this whole story is exactly where I am and I'm blissful. <laughs> right? And then those genes come harmoning in. Yeah. Things begin to get dizzy. And Let yeah. us say it this way. Um, uh, when your heart's on fire, burning with desire, smoke gets in your eyes. The platter is 1952. <laughs> <laughs> and that biological stuff hooks onto the ego stuff. Precisely. And up comes this old story. That you're this... not good enough until uh -huh. you have someone to prove that you're lovable by loving you. Yeah. And every woman has that as her deepest core and they cannot get around it. Mm -hmm. They need to be loved. Mm -hmm. Just like you need to be loved. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and neither one of you quite figured out that that can be done internally. It does not have to come from the outside. But the need to be loved is often stronger than the actual sexual drive. The sexual drive goes along with this need to be loved. Mm -hmm. The need to be loved is that biological trick that good over whatever it is we call nature is playing upon you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that comes deep out of the anterior cortex of the mind. That's biological, but your frontal cortex will say, if you really think about it directly, hey, I'm good to go. I don't need it. I'm a lion. I am not a victim to a couple of balls and a prick. <laughs> or any of the things that actually that only represents because really what it represents is I need love when in fact mm -hmm. you know darn well you don't any love you need you can manufacture on the spot if you've got that <clears throat> in there yeah I mean this this leads quite neatly to a question about practice Right. Okay. When you went, when you can think of it, this is what you practice. And when you can't think of it, it's I want it, I want it, I want it is what we practice. So the question is, how, which one are you going to remember to do? I yeah. want it, I want it, I want it, or I don't need it, I don't need it, I don't need it. Which is the very question, by the way, that goes right back to the question that Ajahn Chai asked Ajahn Sumedho way back when. Uh -huh. do you, <laughs> what do you think about this? And he says, I like it but I don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and most, the of the, most of the time that's, that's where I am and that's all good. And, and, but it, <laughs> you but know, not always, not, not all always, the time, <laughs> not always, not all the time. And, um, <laughs> when I, When Been I, there, done uh, that. I understand. That's a, yeah. that's the whole point. Is this is a human situation? Every guy who listens to this tape will understand exactly what we're going through. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So long as the mind is strong and fit for work and everything is good to go, we're good. But when we slip back into that biological suit, mm -hmm. then we start to pain ourselves in several different ways. I want it and I don't need it is even, in fact, an internal war that keeps us from having a unified mind. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it feels very much like conflict. And and in in my in in my practice most recently, I've not been doing so much of the the manufacturing, the kind of in conflict to myself. Here's here's me who is practicing, and here's me who is bringing up all of this stuff. There's two of me, and I'm going to beat mm-hmm. one of those me's into submission. <laughs> No, we're going to unify them. We're not going to have one conquer the other. We're going to unify. And the fact, if you can think of it like this, is very much like one of them's a good angel. The other one is the devil. One of them is the frontal cortex. The other one is the anal anal cortex. I wonder why we call it anal cortex. (laughs) Because it's where all the shit is. That's why. So when we can find a way of unifying the mind so that Mm -hmm. we're not in this conflict Mm -hmm. and always in there someplace is a middle path. Mm -hmm. All right. So one of the things that, well, before I get this point, let's start this one. What I'm about to say was something that, um, uh, an incredibly excellent uh, psychologist who led group therapies and taught uh, student therapists how to do therapy right there in the group where we had eight, ten people watching. And this is what we did, round robin, round robin. And we worked on and psychologicalized each other. Mm-hmm. And boy, did we do that, tearing everybody apart, you know. And so I learned quite a lot. But this is one of the things that Mike Brown said. He said, imagine that you can see a woman over on the other side, or maybe a girl or whatever your ideal is. Wow, I got to go over. All right. You don't have to go over there. You can just like her from where you are. Mm -hmm. But if you do go over there, you don't have to talk to her. You just get a whip of her hair if that's what you want. But if you do talk to her, you don't have to touch her. If you do touch her, you don't have to invite her to have a drink. You don't have to invite her if you have a drink to go out. Every step along the way, you can back out. But most young men, once they get that, once they pull the trigger of that gun, so to speak, the bullet's going to leave the chambers no matter what. All right, and I'm telling you that you've got little times every time to make a decision based upon what you can see is worthwhile doing or not. Yeah, and this is great, but that doesn't seem to be the advice that applies to my situation. Like, I'm not interacting with women. Like, it's, and this is part of the mystery. For some reason, it's not happening. And I don't know why. Well, for one thing, you're no longer going to the places that you used to go to find women. And you know that there's a lot of women there and you you don't want them. You're already past that. Yeah. And that you're not going to places that you could find women. In fact, I remember that part of the reason that you were going to branch out in Bristol to to see the other Buddhist traditions was to go (laughs) shopping. (laughs) And you wound up talking to the teachers. Yeah. And getting deep into the thing. 
Mm-hmm. You became a Buddha boy. You went after a piece of ass, and you wound up back in the Dharma again. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, and that's <laughs> that's a wonderful image. <laughs> but there was no ass there. All right, we'll move on. There's got to be something somewhere. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? But it just... I it... know it. Bristol is full of women who would absolutely be difficult to get rid of once you understand them and they understand you. <laughs> I find that very difficult to believe. It just seems like I'm in a vacuum. But that vacuum is intentional. You created this reality for yourself. You actually did it intentionally. What happened to the girl from the islands? Yeah. Who wrote the most letters, you or her? About equal, I'd say. Mm-hmm. When's she coming back? Is she coming back? Are you going there? Mm-hmm. You want an island left to hang out in? you see that's a wonderful opportunity to take off and do that and then you can have the the island life with her you don't in fact if she's actually been to england then her family is well enough off that they're going to put you into something so that you won't have to worry island people take care you will not find i think that ship has sailed damarato all right Guess who took the anchor up? <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I say that because you're already to the point that you know that you're the one who's creating this reality. And if that ship is sailed, it's your own damn fault and you know it. Mm-hmm. And you wanted it that way because you could see the suffering involved with it. You got close enough that you could say, wait a minute. (laughs) All right. And you also know that you're going to do that quite often now. That when you weigh the pros and cons, almost always you'll wind up taking the back door out. Because I don't need it enough to put up with the cons. Exactly. So you're a lion cub already. You're growing. Yeah, but it's scary. Right. This is uncharted territory because your whole life you've been sucked into the belief that you need love. That I need all kinds of things. Yeah, and you know, (laughs) again, with this old story with so much baggage, you know, if I was someone who had had all the success in the world with women, and had my fill, so to speak, maybe it would be easier right now for me to drop the whole thing. And now I know you could say, well, it's never enough. You know, everyone always wants to get laid one more time or whatever. It's habit forming. It really, really is habit forming. Right. Only in a long-term committed relationship does sex no longer matter because if the relationship is a really good relationship, then that love, that caring, that is actually deeply rooted into the psychology so much so that in the Sangha, the men are expected to do that for each other, to become friends. Mm -hmm. 
the mm-hmm. Kaliya Mata. That's that's why the Sangha is so important. Mm-hmm. And it's not a sexual issue if it's got the right legs to it, it doesn't walk in that direction. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it doesn't exist, but it's there's every opportunity for things to go correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in that regard, that that need for caring, that need for connection is possible. And I know that it's really important and valuable to have that on a number of different levels. Like I couldn't even teach if I didn't have that relationship with Achan Po. Mm-hmm. And now I've also kind of in, in there put Robert and uh, uh, Dama V2 and several others that I have high regard for that if they think I'm trash talking, then I don't want to teach. I, I'm holding these guys way up there. But yeah. I've held too many people at that level so that then they weren't able to to stay at that level. They began to compete mm-hmm. rather than merely being friends. Mm-hmm. So this whole quality of friendship and that friendship is deeply, deeply buried into the human psyche so that by the time he gets through the filter of Sankara and bubbles up, it comes up expressed as I need to be loved. I need to be in a relationship because that's the only way that I can get the nourishment and the love that I need. Where in fact, intellectually, at least at this point in the game, you understand that's not actually the case. I don't actually need to have my love fulfilled at that biological level. I can do it at a more natural level rather than getting involved in relationships. Well, I have evidence to suggest that that's possible because I've lived in that condition for, for weeks at a time. I should say I rest my case, but let's go on. <laughs> and it, it's, it's like a death. You know, and that's yeah. why it's like I'm reaching back and, and clinging to something familiar because it, it feels like a game of chicken. How many weeks am I willing to go without feeling those old needs? How long can my ego handle being a single guy in a culture where it says that you have to be in a relationship if you're of any value? Okay, but that's playing their game. Yeah. All right, but you also know quite a lot of the history of England and that it's well known, the idea of the noble bachelor. And that's a different role to play than the young man who can't get a wife. And this is a mental position to be in, is that you're a bachelor because you like it better, because you don't want the responsibilities, nor do you want the, the problems of some woman clinging to you. Well, sure. Now, that would be a much more desirable position if I was getting laid every now and then. Right? Well, when go you think get laid the... every now and then. Yeah, How much that, does that but... cost? <laughs> <laughs> That's even more dangerous. <laughs> it depends upon your wisdom level and how you manage it. You have to be very careful in all regards. And I wasn't necessarily talking about a brothel. <clears throat> but you already know that no matter which way it goes, you're going to have to pay for it. 
Oh, sure. But it's, it's just, you know, this, this is a huge part of this mystery story is like, it's just never been that simple for me. And I don't know it's why. Not, it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be simple so long as you stay confused. It's this, is that, it's this, is that. And how many times have you gone down that level and down that uh, range and recognized, wait a minute, it's not worth it. And I'm going to come back and be a Dhamma dude again. And how many times do you have to slip and fall off of the, the path? Eight, 10, 12, 14 times? 20 times? You're going to do it for the next five years, every year, <laughs> once a year? You just say, I got to have, I got to get laid, I got to get laid, I got to get laid. <laughs> or one of these times you're going to wake up to the, wait a minute. I've been here. I've done that before. This is an old story. This is samsara for sure. Well, I know that. And, and every time I choose it, every time I look into it, I decide that I don't want it. And also, the way that you're living, you're putting yourself into a position like most of us do when we come to that conclusion is that you're not being out there so that Miss Wright can find you. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very unlikely to happen, even if you're out there looking for her, too. Yeah, and so the game doesn't seem worth the candle, and yet... The drive is still there. The drive is still there. The drive is still there. Also, there's, there's fear that, what if I dedicate my whole life to the Dharma, and then I look back, and I go, well, damn, I don't have a family i haven't related to people i missed that whole train now i'm old and i didn't have kids i didn't you know okay i know you're the perfect counter example to this <laughs> do i have to start with the quote shit happens <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, it's such a strange, it, it, it's an, an absolutely essence example of how the Dharma flips everything on its head, because I know that I have evidence that I can deal with regret when it comes up. Mm -hmm. I've only been studying this stuff in earnest for two years. By the time I'm an old man, well, I'm going to be able to deal with whatever the hell comes up. Absolutely. You don't have to wait until you're an old man. You right. don't have to wait as long as I did. You can do it now. Right. <laughs> I right. finally woke and, up, you know. <laughs> right. And that is the long slow, the long easy. <laughs> right. And that is scary because it it just shatters everything. If I can just choose to not have these desires choose to not want choose to not whatever i am literally leaving the world behind yes you are and you will get enormous applause for that from all of the wise yeah 
Yeah. That, that, that is wisdom incarnate. That's the whole point. That's what Jesus said. That's what Socrates said. That's what the Buddha says. All the really best, high-quality, world-class teachers throughout history have all said, yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm flip-flopping. Well, of course you are. That's because we're talking about something that you haven't done yet that sounds enormously scary. It's either do I hang on to this hot rock that I'm holding or do I risk the chance of whatever happens if I let go because then I won't even have a rock anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is life's basic question. And the way that it actually comes up the most often and with its most severity is the issue around sexuality because that's so biologically based. Sorry, we're humans. Here's another way of looking at it. And that is, imagine that there were two kinds of people way, way back when, about the time that we discovered fire. There were two groups. They settled into this. Those that like to dance around the fire and those that like to crawl off into the dark and make babies. Those mm -hmm. are your two kinds of people. Now, guess what? After all of these years, those people who like to dance around the fire didn't have very many babies. And so all of them people who really, really love sex is what our society has become. Of course. We, of course. Right. That's genetics, isn't it? Why is it all the other mammals that the woman's or the, the female tit gets big only when it needs milk and where the human <laughs> gorillas know just human just human women have big breasts whether they've got milk or not? That's a very interesting biological trait. Mm. And it also has to do that most animals, most mammals have a whole lot of stuff to do with sexuality based upon our olfactory. That's why in many societies we still have perfumes and that kind of thing, because it's linked with sexuality. But meanwhile, during the time when we actually came out of the trees and started to, to wander, that our sexuality became visual to be able to see something we liked at a great distance, long before we were close enough to smell to see if we liked it. We had to, and so uh, physical features developed that way. Mm -hmm. Literally bare, large breast attracted men about the time that we've invented fire, about a half a million years ago, somewhere before, we actually thought of ourselves as being human in the modern sense. Mm -hmm. Before we were human. We, we still were still grunting. Yeah, we were still grunting. <laughs> Before we had that kind of language, we had this stuff going on at that uh, level mm -hmm. of DNA that we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. So the question is, when that stuff comes up biologically, are you going to be its victim or are you going to be uh, the lion? They say, I can deal with this. This is no big deal. I can handle these feelings too because I know that, there, that I can, in fact, separate the two major issues to see them equally different. 
One is the actual physical urges and needs that the body has and how the mind and body work together in that regard. And then the other one, which is the, the hook that is placed in there biologically to hook these things together. And that is the need for love, companionship, friendship, because through that we get safety. Mm-hmm. And so an ideal marriage is when the two people come together and they make life safe for each other. They take care of each other's needs. They fulfill their needs. That's an actual good relationship. Unfortunately, it's unusual and rare. One mm-hmm. of the places it's unusual and rare is right there in the parsonage. Parsonage? Yes, that's the house that the church provides for the preacher and his wife. <laughs> yeah. So, Parson, you know, um, mm-hmm. that problem is that they don't make life safe for each other. Then generally the guys who want to become a religious nut and get paid for it are, um, let us say, not using all of their frontal cortex to arrive at those goals. They will dance and scream around the stage trying to get attention, and then they go home with that responsibility, and they wound up doing that in front of the wife, and the wife has had it up to here with her preacher husband. The rest of the congregation only had to put up with him once a week. <laughs> all right. A really clear example of that on YouTube is Alex Jones. Have you heard about oh, him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I read my case because, you know, the wife said, I'm out of here. <laughs> so this is the whole thing that the, the marriage is not ideal. And that it takes two people who understand and know how to deal with a relationship to make it work. And you can do that. You can be in a relationship and be the grandest Dhamma dude there is. There's no problem with that. The problem that that you're having that everybody generally has is this division in the mind. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's your choices. To get... Get deep into sexuality at whatever level that you want through the, the story of Christianity or the story of the brothel or the story of the wildcat or whatever way that you want to handle it. Whichever way that it is, is always going to be winding up in suffering. No doubt about it. There's going to be conflicts. There's going to be babies we didn't want born. There's going to be all kinds of social issues. There's going to be clinging. The whole nine yards of it. So now that we've come to see that, the next question is, am I going to be the Dhamma dude or am I going to be the one who uh, is going to go back and get caught into that world? And you've dallied with it. And every time that you've dallied with it, you've recognized that, oh, wait a minute, that's a little bit more dangerous than I want to deal with. And I like this Dhamma dude thing a little better. And so each time you've wound up not going down that trail, because you've taken a more um, wise place. But now here's where you are now. Now you're stuck in the divisional place, that you know what's the right thing to do. You've chosen it over and over again, and yet you still have this urge to go back and get into the dirt anyway. 
It's biological. That's what I'm saying, that this is a biological set of urges, but there's also a deep emotional part of it, too. Mm-hmm. Biological, we know, but it's the emotional part that you need to work with mm-hmm. in the sense that you like her biologically, but you don't need her emotionally. Mm-hmm. And when you can separate the two, one will wither away because we stop having thoughts about sex. And without any thoughts about sex, sex doesn't have any power anymore. But that's terrifying. I'm a 32-year-old man. They can't get it up? No. Well, maybe if I cease all desire. (laughs) You know? That's the whole point. If you can't get it up, now you're the champion. I mean, how you're, you've been told to keep it down and keep it in your pants your whole life, and now you're actually capable of doing that at will. That. <laughs> you don't want to, huh? There's still some pleasure in that thing somewhere, huh? Your well, idea yeah. of your manhood is in there somewhere, huh? Yeah, of course. I'd rather be a woman than have that kind of problem. But then if I were a woman, I'd have the kind of problem that women have. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah, so think about that. That's worthwhile thinking about. Think right about- now, you think about, do you really want that thing to keep getting up and getting in the way of your joy? Are you, let, are, are you willing at your age to let the thing go <laughs> floppy and to remain that way? And all you do is urinate with the darn thing and keep it wet. I mean, keep it washed. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean keep it wet. (laughs) People will get the wrong idea with that one. But you wash the thing and you take care of it, but you don't try to make it work. I mean, that just sounds insane. Why is it insane? It's It's the solution to all of life's problems. Be lucky. Old men should feel lucky when they can't get it up anymore. Hurrah, I am free, and yet they don't. Viagra is a worldwide major selling product because of old men that are stuck right where you are right now by the by the tens of millions. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I can be cool with it when I'm old. I'm 32 years old. Can you? What's the age got to do with it? It's always right now. If you have this attitude right now, when are you going to change it? When you can't get it up anymore? (laughs) When when I choose to, when like when I've done being a young man. Okay. When you're done with being a young man, means when you can see the suffering that young men have, you can choose not to be one. I do see it. I see it very clearly, and that's the problem. Then they call this what, duh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's the whole point now, is that now you're caught 
you're not in samadhi yet because you're torn between two worlds. The world mm -hmm. you, you know is the right way to go and the world that keeps dragging you because you <laughs> by your gonads back into the gutter. And every man has that. It's biological. Make sure that it's not emotional. Start working with it. <laughs> I'm seeing you get really sad right now. <laughs> well, it's like... <laughs> talk about a death. Talk about leaving the world behind. Uh-huh. Right? Well, we've been talking about leaving the world to get her done for a long time now. Now, the, now that we're stepping on the tax. <laughs> yeah, it's real. When we learn to, to give up on all of the things that cause us suffering, wanting things we don't have is suffering, and you know that. Mm -hmm. And here you are suffering over wanting something that you don't have. And now you're actually worrying and suffering over something that you do have that you really don't want, but you don't want to say goodbye to it. <laughs> and Danny, I know that you will work through this several times, that this is not over yet. Mm -hmm. You will get over it this time, and then it will come back, and it'll be easier to deal with next time. You have done this before, and last time it was more difficult mm -hmm. than it is this time. Mm -hmm. Because now you have new knowledge that you saw the suffering that you were causing yourself last time, mm -hmm. and you don't want to get into it. And I can understand that. This is a process that, that us sexual things have to deal with. Is that sex can cause suffering, including even when we abstain from it. In fact, those who abstain from sex wind up doing the most suffering. Mm -hmm. Those priests, they suffer for a long time until that 10 year old boy comes into the office. <laughs> So suffering without sex because it's the right thing to do is stupid and it's mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. But being mindful and watching the suffering that's being caused, in fact, if that priest could be able to see the suffering he was about to cause that 10-year-old, he wouldn't have done anything except being a good holy father, which was what his job was. So, this is also, uh, that's kind of the raw end of it. But at the very, very soft end of it, it has to do with, one, if you're out there, <clears throat> there will be people to meet. And almost assuredly, none of them are up to your quality now. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm I see that. I'm not talking about yeah. because of my judgment. I'm talking about because I know how you're judging them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not my yeah. judgment call. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. Totally. They don't match up to your standard. You don't go to a bar to find them. We worked that out last year. Yeah. And it, it's it's scary and it feels like a test. 
You're literally saying to me, Danny, you're best off never getting a boner again. Okay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds fucking scary to me. Why is it scary? Freedom at last. Freedom at last. There is no prick almighty. Free at last. <laughs> Actually, that's a change from um, Martin Luther King. That was one of his cries. But he, he was saying, free at last. Free at last. Thank God almighty. Free at last. With us little atheist boys, we changed that one very quickly. To free at last. Free at last. There ain't no God. Free at last. But now we could do it with the boner. Free at last. Free at last. There is no boners. Free at last. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, that's just radical. That requires so much trust. I'm literally turning my back on my biology, my society. No, it's not. You're going to have to deal with that biology, but the way to deal with it is not giving it any power. The society can go <laughs> do one to itself like it's been doing all along. That's not your problem. <laughs> yeah. But what you have to work on is that you do not need to start a relationship in order to get relationship fulfilled. That there's many ways that you could do that. One of the things is if there's no sex issue to it, you would be much, much better off with a woman about the age of 65 to 70. Because you're ready to learn from her and she's ready to learn from you. That you've made that much mental progress. <laughs> but the boner wants the youngins, I know. <laughs> but if it's a strong relationship that's mutually beneficial, you might want to think of getting someone that's older, wiser, understands Dhamma, understands relationship. Get a woman who's had at least four husbands, except for in case she's killed one of them, and then don't bother with her. <laughs> This is just bonkers on so many levels. <laughs> it's not bonkers. It's trying to establish the territory. We're doing an investigation. Just like a crime scene. Do you think that the crime detectives are only going to inspect the body itself? Or are they going to inspect the whole room or even the whole house? So we need to look around in this regard. What kind of woman is it that you're going to be satisfied with? A young, attractive one who is on the All path. Right. Okay. Before she met you or after? Either would do. Okay. So if the path is the important quality, then I'm sure that you can find someone. Doesn't seem to be the case. Like, When's so, the last time you did a gig? Saturday night. Don't the bandsmen get 
<laughs> a, a treat. You'd I mean, be amazed. You'd it, be amazed at how rarely playing the drums has been any kind of a trump card for me. You'd be amazed. And I don't know if it's well, some did you stop of... smiling or something? I huh? thought that you were going to smile when you were drumming. I smile all the time. You do? Okay. Can you smile at a particular girl then? Sure. Catch their eye. That's how it's done. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I don't know if it's technology, social media, online dating, or whatever, but people just seem very, very closed. People do not seem to be open to connect with a stranger. Yeah. It's a dangerous world. It and, really is dangerous with right, Brexit and, and Donald Trump and yeah. Putin and oh god, things are so dangerous. So it's right easier now. to hide behind the screen and vet everyone from there, and that's very possible to do now. Now it doesn't usually lead to anything, but people aren't thinking that way. People are full of hopes and dreams. Do you know how to do a um, a dating site? Sure. Do you know how to do the right software? I mean, not go on to one. I'm talking about build one. No. Okay. Then maybe you can do an investigation to find out, in fact, is there a DAMA website for dating? A dating uh, did, DAMA website. I did take a look. And, uh, the only thing that's out there seems to be uh, very much uh, like the other dating websites, which is sign up sign up sign up this okay. this much for a month save money on our two month plan save more money on our six month plan pay for a whole year and you get it really cheap okay so get a year why i'll pay for it what i'll pay for it i'll send you the money and i'll pay for it and you join it and you start to run the place Run the place? Yeah. How? Well, you, one thing is that you say hello to every lady on the site. Because if you're paying premium fees, then that means that all of the freebie girls are looking only at guys that they can get through to. So it's only the guys who pay for the thing. I mean, we're back to old society, but yeah, the man has to pay. If you, <laughs> We've already been talking about this. Mm -hmm. If you want, if you want to go out there and look, you're going to have to pay for it, mm -hmm. whether it's in a brothel. And by the way, a year on the internet is probably cheaper than one night at the brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with taxi fare. <laughs> and then a trip to the clinic. That's optional. <laughs> Depends upon the inspection beforehand. <laughs> Need to do a clinical inspection. <laughs> so anyway, yes, there is going to be dangers and there's going to be expenses. And you know that in mm -hmm. advance. Mm -hmm. I signed up to one of the paid dating sites when I broke up with my long-term girlfriend you know just around the time that you and I started speaking and um, it was a, a really bad experience from a financial perspective they're basically con artists I mean they just 
get people's credit card details and just continue to charge them. Oh, wow. With or without permission. I don't know who that is. I've, I don't know. I would assume that that kind of place would go out of business. I do oh, know no. that the big ones, like eHarmony, couldn't get away with that. Oh, well, no, this was Match.com. This was one of the big ones that advertised. You know, and it's, 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 they're covering their asses, you know, it's all there in the very, very, very small print, you know, we will continue to charge you for X. And so you could say, well, sure, you should have read the very, very, very small print. But it, it seems oh, predatory really? in the, you know, they're, yes, it they're, is. yeah, that they're, they're preying on people's loneliness. And they're also banking on the fact that people are going to get distracted. They're looking for love. They maybe find someone to go out on a date with and then they forget to jump through the many, many hoops that are required to cancel the recurring payment that they didn't even know was recurring when they signed up. Yes, exactly. That's exactly the. But now. <clears throat> this has been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. In the old days, they called them matchmakers. They had songs about it. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, right? <laughs> you don't know Fiddler on the Roof. Well, yeah, I know that team. <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so that business is a long standing old ripoff business. That in fact, the matchmaker business is probably as old and as corrupt as the funeral business because mm -hmm. it sucks on people's needs. Mm -hmm. One sucks off of the grief, the other one sucks off of I need to be loved. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, the physical aspect of the sexuality is not the important point. The important mm -hmm. point is are you willing to jump through all of those hooks? to get a relationship with someone that you can have free of charge by taking a deep breath. Because you made that decision over and over and over again. And so, I mean, huh, how many different places and locations and whatnot that you and I have discussed already? We have talked about the bar and we've talked about go to the spiritual places and whatnot. And now we're looking at websites that promote Dhamma rather than ripoffs and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just duka, 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 duka everywhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it really is at least only half the problem that you thought it was. What do you mean? And here's, well, because it's got those two components. One is the emotional component and the other one is the physical component. When you have learn to deal with the emotional component, then the physical component is not much of a, a task or a deal to much work to do. This is just so radical, the idea that I'm just going to break off my sexuality and throw it aside. No, you can't do that. <laughs> but you can occasionally say, down boy, down boy. <laughs> Let me take a shower. <laughs> and there's other options. But one of them is not pining for a woman. 
because the pining for a woman is I need love. And you can see how this love and sexuality are intermingled to the point that the word love has become completely confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that making love is not making friends, it's <laughs> making racket. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean the you know the the new uh, brand of online dating things, you know the swipers. You see someone's picture, and you have you not heard about this? No, no. Okay, no so it's, it's it's become simplified to the point that users. Oh, you just flip through pictures one after another after another, yeah. only looking at pictures. Yeah. Pictures of what? Faces or other parts of the anatomy? Faces. <laughs> Depending on the girl. You know, so get a <laughs> um, disposable characteristic to the whole thing. And, and then also there's this kind of expectation that what it's about is people are just going to meet up and fuck. And that's really it. That's... There's only two-thirds of the equation that look like it, looks like that. All right? The first third is the guys who run the website, the matchmakers. Mm -hmm. They want you to keep coming back, so they want every relationship that you have to actually fail. Even though eHarmony talks about their success rate, they want you to fail. So that you can come back. Mm -hmm. The guys also, they just want to get laid. But the women have an additional factor involved. Mm -hmm. Two factors involved and both of them work against getting laid because what they're really wanting is number one, they want to be loved and they know it. And number two, through that love, they want security. Mm -hmm. And then they see those private areas as barter chips right. to get these other things. And this is not every woman, but this is rampant through the way that girls are taught is, mm -hmm. is that, oh, what you put your knees together, put those knees together. Don't you dare let that. That's a jewel. That's wonderful. That's so Plop, all that. Don't let any boy see them knickers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So um, there is a lot of expectation built up between the boys and the girls mm -hmm. intentionally by making something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. And so the girls are taught that what you have is valuable to make sure that you don't give it away easily, that you make it worth your while, et cetera. And meanwhile, you've got these other psychological needs. And so you get make sure that the deal is, is that you get that first in the case of barter. Now, there's two ways that girls do that. One is get laid first, and now she's got you. Or the other one is to work it out in detail to, so that she makes sure that she's got you before she gives you any. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever met a girl that does not have that system going? Melanie was pretty cool. Well, you let her go. Yeah, I did. And there were reasons for that. Well, it's just following extenuating circumstances, and I'm not talking about. 
kata in the next day you wait yes that's what we're getting at is is that the kind of selection that you'll have to do is going to be to the point that you may have to widen your scope because finding women in england is not going to be what you look for that there may be other countries that have the kind of woman that you're looking for in fact if you want a dama girl the best place to go for that is the buddhist country because they're almost all buddhist already <laughs> and they'll love it if you want to go to the temple they'll push you into it <laughs> the problem is is in bristol they're mostly either christians or trying to crawl out of christianity and Buddhism is weird stuff. Yeah. I can name yeah. you a whole bunch of countries with millions and millions and millions of people that have all kinds of women that will fit the bill. There may be language difficulties, difficulties. There may be issues of survival. There may be all kinds of things upon where you're in Bangkok. It may really become a survival issue. <laughs> I've got a list of places to stay away from. <laughs> um, yeah, no, again, we're investigating. I'm not going to relocate for the sake of finding a woman. Huh? I'm not going to relocate. That? I'm not going to relocate for the sake of finding a woman. I know we're investigating, right? Yeah, well, that's the whole point of doing this kind of investigation is because you can say no to it right here and right now and figure out that, hey, wait a minute, the problem is solvable without trying to go get something that you've basically got already everything that you need you've got your joy you've got your happiness remember the time that i asked you what was it what would it be that could destroy your happiness and here you come crawling up with one Yeah, well, well except you the, the, do that. Uh, Old well, age, uh, sickness, death, and peckers. I forgot that one. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the answer is always the same to the to the question: What could destroy my happiness? Me. Me. Yes, exactly. Wanting something you don't have is suffering. Mm-hmm. So the question is, do you really want it, or is it merely that you really like the idea of having it? Oh, it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy that I will find some ideal, attractive young lady who is on the path, who is wise, who knows how to work on a relationship, and that I will be happier in that situation than I am in this one. When I know that I've been dissatisfied in relationships before, now, sure, those, you know, those girls weren't on the path. They weren't kind of quite ready to work on a relationship in the way that I would like. Okay. But, well, there's um, only one small possibility I can think of right now, and that is let's post this video and hope that somebody watches it. <laughs> and she'll post a message saying, hey, what's Danny's email? <laughs> this is not a good sales pitch (laughs) (laughs) 
what, too much struggle? I mean, it's got all the drama that's needed. I mean, we're talking about really, really high high stakes drama here. There's been really interesting movies written about it. Mm-hmm. Like The Deliverance. <laughs> that's, uh, um, let's not do a movie fantasy trip right now. Let hmm. us just say that there's a lot of different ways of having um, uh, suffering in relationships. I know. Um, There's one that I'm thinking of that I can't think of the name of the movie. Uh, uh, but the woman really wanted the guy. They had a relationship. He left, and then she started trolling him. Mm-hmm. And he was still attracted to her, so he would come and go, and every time that she could, could get him close again, she would wind up doing more and more damage. I think she eventually killed him because he kept wanting to run away from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Close kind of movie. So that's that's uh, the the situation is is that relationships are dangerous, mm-hmm. and the, the more wisdom we have, then the more that danger can be seen, so that we begin to avoid it, and we start recognizing. Wait a minute, now I've got this internal conflict between the biology and all of the sociology that I've had, saying that I cannot find my own love. I've got to get it out of relationship. I mean, the fairy tales are all about that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Everything and it's, it's all over our language. It's all over our languages in popular music. I need you. I can't live without you. I can't breathe without you. Yeah. <laughs> I lost my lungs. Please let me use yours. <laughs> Talk about a tight relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. You can see how much that's built right into the culture. Mm-hmm. But the Buddha says, oh, no, if you really want to have freedom, one of the things to have freedom from is that need to have someone else. And so this is what it comes down to is, is this feeling that it's like a game of chicken. I'll spend a couple of weeks in bliss, not needing a thing. <laughs> and then I'll go, wait a minute. right but now what you need to start telling yourself as soon as you start to say wait a minute and i know what problem you've got at hand when you say wait a minute (laughs) 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 then you can say we've been here before we have done this. We have gone there. We can recognize that it's not literally what it's cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about certain parts of female anatomies when I use that word. <laughs> what crack? In other words, we've got all of the society stuff, all of these lies. But in fact, you can be okay on your own. I have proof. Be like, 
And you proved it already to yourself over and over and over again. Why do you prove it to yourself over and over again? Because you keep falling off that horse. Mm -hmm. Or what and they I say, am, fall off the wagon. <laughs> I am still bought into the fairy tale when I fantasize that there is some ideal young woman out there who is on the path, who is ready to work on a relationship, who I could be in happy union with. Now, it's not impossible, right? No, no, but she's 66. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Or she's not in England. And you've already been to all of the places in Bristol. In fact, I hear there's even another place that you may not have heard about. So look around a little further. There's supposed to be some new place beside the one that you've been. It's not uh, Vadriana. I think it may be Terravada, somewhere around Bristol area. Okay. Okay. Just giving you the address of someplace new for you to go get disappointed. <laughs> Am I helpful? So, so there's a whole other part to this conversation, which is that I am someone who grew up with the internet and was able to stream endless titties into my consciousness from the age of 12. How boring. Don't they put the cameras down a little lower? <laughs> oh, they put the cameras everywhere. Oh, all over the place. Yes, so I've heard that. I have heard the cameras are everywhere. <laughs> and so that's really good at fanning desire. Right? There's it's intended to. Yeah. It's a desire machine. In fact, the, the actual chemical they know all about is called dopamine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's biological. The Buddha talked about it first and to say, he, he said, this is in the Anguttara and the Kai, in the ones. A lot of good stuff is in the ones because he says, there is nothing, O monks, quite as beautiful as a beautiful girl. Hmm. You see... The sight of a beautiful girl is nothing as beautiful as that. There is nothing as sweet as the sound of a sweet sound of a girl's voice. Not when they're yakking. Or not when they're not working, wearing makeup and beautiful mm -hmm. gowns. But when they do get dolled up and when they do speak very sweetly, it is the very beautiful music that they make. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Whether they're singing Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, or they're singing one of the arias from Butterfly, or you know the whole repertoire, how beautiful, beautiful that music is mm -hmm. at that high-pitched female voice. Mm -hmm. And you never think about how, how tight their knees have to be squeezed to make those high notes. <laughs> <laughs> and that you're going to have to prize them open. And well, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the Buddha was in on it. He knew mm -hmm. that there is that solid attraction that's deeply, deeply buried into our psyche. Now, it has to be said that what is it doing to our psyche when we're able to see as many women as we want, any time we want, 
doing whatever we want. Uh, back to the old dopamine. You see, when the mind gets flooded with this dopamine because we really, really like what we see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to take a side trip, but let's not take that one. <laughs> let's say that the dopamine floods the mind. The dopamine is, is just really squirted right out there. And the dopamine receptors are flooded with this and they get warped and bent and sometimes die off so that the guy gets a really, really strong hit when he first starts looking. But after he's looking for five minutes, the hit that he got from seeing that first couple of three of them, wow, 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 and then that wowness is kind of gone, but mm-hmm. they're still looking for that wowness because mm-hmm. they've actually destroyed a bunch of neurons in the brain. It keeps pumping out all of this dopamine, but the dopamine receptors, this is neuroscience. They figured yeah. all of that out a long time ago. Yeah, so the receptors downregulate, and then you can't find pleasure from other things in life. And so you end up going back to the addictive behavior. Now, this is why, if you remember last summer, I was talking about quitting this whole thing, trying to, you know, forcefully get it out of my life. Now, since then, it's been a very controlled usage because I see that it's not wise to be exposing myself to this all the time. Exactly. But so you're, you're you're maturing. So all you have to do is change that um, uh, what they call adverb all the time, and start dicing that up into, well, I'm not going to watch it right now. Yeah. Because that's all we're dealing with is the present moment. If you can resist it right now, then that's all we have to ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just don't do it right now. Mm-hmm. Let the mm-hmm. old uh, dopamine receptors rest for a day or two, <laughs> but just don't do it right now. Oh, yeah, I've been resting for a week at a time. But, <laughs> <you> know, the... <laughs> Which means now they're really good for work, <laughs> and you get a really good hit. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how those dopamine receptors, they heal really quickly. (laughs) Well, good. Um, So anyway, the point that we could go back to is, is that, okay, there is pleasure in seeing images. Mm -hmm. So we can say we like it. The problem is, is when we turn it to, I like it, I want it. Because mm-hmm. that's what puts us on the internet site about to get robbed again from Match.com or whatever. Is when we like it, we want it. And then we start grasping and clinging and whatnot like that. I gotta have it. And then anyone will do. You've heard that one. cock a do any cock will do. <laughs> <laughs> But that's when the desire is just run away and you're not in that place because you know that that state of mind is painful. Mm-hmm. Being in that state of mind of I got to have it, I got to have it, I got to have it is so painful. Mm-hmm. You've been there and so you recognize that that state's not worth having. But you also recognize that never 
never mind how gingerly or easily you walk into that realm, that world of sex and sensuality and sexuality in the West, there is going to be cow pies, cow pies everywhere. Dukkha, danger, love, attachment, match.com fees, the whole nine yards of it. You've been there and you know all of this stuff. And still the issue is there. Okay, well, let's deal with it now. Get over it. And we'll deal with it again next year. Getting over it, it feels scary. And it's always this, I go deeper into the Dharma. I leave more of the world behind. We'll take a deep breath when you feel scared and say, never mind. I don't have to feel scared. I'm losing something I don't even want. Take a deep breath, become fearless. That you're absolutely okay, good to go. You're a lion. And you do not need to get laid in order to be able to give a lion's roar. Though you might want to sing Sweet Mystery of Life afterwards. (laughs) Have you ever seen that movie? (laughs) Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein got laid in that movie (laughs) and afterwards he said sweet mystery of life (laughs) (laughs) so anyway yes there is a sweet mystery there that's in fact the way that you started this conversation was the mysterious quality to it but now we've taken quite a lot of the mystery out of it because we've looked we've done an investigation we've sussed this thing out to recognize that wait a minute any time that we go in that direction it's fraught with danger and so if you go down that path be very careful be watchful be mindful and one of the things to be mindful of is this really worthwhile It's so easy to say, no, it's not. And the culture would say, well, you're being cynical, you're being lazy, you need to put effort in to get good things. Yes, I agree. To make sacrifice. I'm cynical about the, uh, uh, the, the world and all of its views. What was the second one? Cynical and then what? Oh, I don't remember. Lazy. Yes, lazy. yes, yes. I love lazy. <laughs> yes, I am lazy. I'm just the laziest dude you ever meet. <laughs> Until others, I teach how, and then they'll be lazier than I am. <laughs> and Achad Poe is a really lazy dude. <laughs> and so, what was the next one? That you need to make effort to get good things. Oh, yes. Okay. I got something really good. I got joy. I got happiness. It just short circuits the the whole thing, doesn't it? I've got the sunshine (laughs) on a cloudy day. That's Hmm. the line. That the things that we have are the things that are worth having. It cuts out the middleman. It cuts out the middleman. It short circuits the whole 
model. And and there is something scary about that. Well, remember, it only solves half the problem. I don't have a good solution to the physical problem other than old age, sickness, or death. But the emotional issue is the bigger issue, the more difficult to deal with. And that's the one that you do need to deal with, because that's where all the suffering comes from. Suffering doesn't come from the fact that you've got a heart on. Suffering comes from the fact that you don't like it and you want to change it. You want to make it different. You want to find a, a garage to park this car. <laughs> and so that's the emotional part that we got to deal with. Because you can change that. You can't change the biology, not yet. That will slowly just happen on its own. But the thing of it is, you've got to stop wanting something that you don't have. Uh, yeah. And the, 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 where, where the culture fights back is it says that if you're not wanting, well, you're never going to get. Yes, you know. Well, if you're satisfied, then isn't that marvelous? Well... Yes. If you've already got everything you need and you're completely satisfied, content, safe, secure, and uh, successful, then what else do you need? Really, money doesn't solve those things so that people who do get money just want more money and more money and more money and more and wind up hurting a lot of people, mm -hmm. making business deals that are sometimes shady, often illegal. And they just want money, more money, more money. And that has really been nailed right into the culture, both in England and the United States. And it's been done that way for at least 100 years. Thank you very much to Sigmund Freud and his nephew, Edward Bernays. We've already been there. Done that one. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So when you're talking about society, you're really not talking about the society in general. You're talking about the society you have to listen to, like mom and dad. <laughs> and family and and what friends there are and whatnot like that but you're actually not listening to them you're listening to them inside of your head because they're actually not here telling you all of that stuff it's you that remember them saying it from before and it's yeah, not yeah. really feel right now pa parents don't feel very present in this it feels like it's me it feels like it, now, obviously, this me that I'm speaking about is just a collection of other people's ideas. Exactly. That's what Freud calls a superego. Yeah. That collection, all of that rights, rules, rituals, everything like that, that the Buddha calls Sila Bhatta Paramasa. It's the way you should do things instead of doing it according to the right way, which is suffering and no suffering. Suffering and no suffering winds up being a very easy path to follow. Following all the rites, rules, rituals, and do everything that you're told to do by society winds up being a lot of work and a whole lot of suffering along with it. But at least you did the right thing. It reminds me of a joke, <laughs> and there's an idiot, 
And everybody knows he's an idiot, but he goes into the haberdasher to have a suit made, and the haberdasher knows he's an idiot, and so he only does a very sloppy job. He puts the guy on, and he goes down the street, and somebody says, oh, your shoulder's unraveling. And the guy says, oh, really? Okay, and I'm going to hold it like that. And another one is, oh, you got something wrong with your collar, like here. And then, oh, there's something wrong with the button. So he's now going down the street like that, and people are looking at him, and they're saying, oh. You know, there he goes again. He's just always nuts like that. But somebody else said, yeah, but isn't he really well-dressed? I'm not sure I get it. <laughs> he was hiding all of the flaws. That's what he was doing is he was yeah. hiding the flaws yeah. and people thought he was crazy, but somebody else said, at least look at him. He's well-dressed. <laughs> we do not know what other people are doing. We do not know what's in other people's minds. All we right. have is our own imagination of what they're thinking and what they're doing and what not like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is recognize that there is no society inside of your head other than that which you brought in there and play over and over again to where you know the answer to those three questions that you ask that real success is the feeling of success that can be manufactured and you can be powerful and that your wisdom is strong and you avoid suffering And because you avoid suffering, you don't have much suffering. Therefore, there's nothing a lot to do. There's nothing to fix. And therefore, you become really lazy, happily so. That's that's about the only thing that's worth doing is talking about the Dhamma. That's, yeah, that's difficult to hold. Ambition has been drilled into me so thoroughly. Yeah, I know. I read the song. I think Pink Floyd wrote it. Hmm. <laughs> British education system is tough stuff. And it was designed to exploit you. The British educational system was designed to, to produce. It was a factory designed to produce factory workers. Mm. Way back when. That was what it was all about. And so that whole factory scene of uh, another brick in the wall is showing that that's what what happens in an educational system that is not designed for the value of each individual student. It's designed to fill society's needs. Mm. So, yes, you are full of it. (laughs) So there's still this question about practice. There seems to be a difference in, in, uh, is it philosophy? I guess. In the Dzogchen stuff, in the non-duality stuff that I've been Mm -hmm. reading up on, where we speak about skill development, we speak about manufacture, we speak about being on guard. That seems to be very dualistic by comparison to what these Dzogchen guys are saying, which is that all of this stuff that comes up is just stuff. Um, Yes. So don't be in opposition to yourself. Find freedom in every perception. Okay. 
I agree wholeheartedly. Let's pick at this apart now. There's a part of you that knows that the Dhamma path to freedom from suffering is the right way to go. And when that becomes unit and solidified, it will be non-dual. But right now, you've got the old stuff that you're dealing with. There's your duality. Mm -hmm. How can you integrate those two so that you do match that state of non-duality? How can you integrate your mind? Mm -hmm. When they talk about non-duality, they're only talking about the Buddha's version of samadhi, of unification. Mm -hmm. Let's bring this stuff together. There really is no duality. The duality is in, I want this and I want that. And we create our own duality because we want two opposing things. It's like stepping in two different boats thinking that we can stand up. We're going to wind up in the drink. Or the other one is riding two horses, one foot on the top back of one horse and one on the back of the other. But you don't hold the reins to both of them. <laughs> and those horses are going to go like that and you're going to wind up <laughs> with your crotch in the dirt. <laughs> that's duality for you we get split in half mm -hmm. we literally get split in half whenever there's any duality so mm -hmm. they're teaching exactly the right thing they're not missing a stroke when it comes to the teaching of the buddha mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they're just taking it from a different approach the mahayana they sometimes they don't have all the details as theravadas have so they just cut right to the chase <laughs> right go right after the big deal right which which it raises questions of like, well, uh, an image that comes to mind a lot is one that you used really early on of the the prized fist, you know, the the the, mm -hmm. fi the fist closed tight, and and that you need to do that now. These Mahayanists and the Vajrayanists are saying, um, making an effort is futile. But for someone who is in duality, that's that's not quite going to go over. Is that what we're saying? That's going to be too simple an instruction. Actually, we're talking about what they are talking about and the way that we refer to it is right effort. And that uh, one's right effort, by definition, would be the least amount of effort that it takes to get the job done. Right. And Western mind is to put too much effort in. That's what you're doing right now. Why are you putting a lot of effort in all of this stuff? <laughs> but when the effort is right, then as time goes on, the effort becomes easier and easier, almost to the point of it being spring-loaded. So that the Buddha uses the example at this point is imagine a tender infant that's just been born. And that that uh, foot or the hand of that infant touches a hot coal. What was going, what's going to be the sequence of events is this. First thing, the hand immediately withdraws from the coal. And then the recognition of pain, because this may in fact be the first actual experience of pain. And so the child's going to take a really deep breath. <gasps> ah! You hear that first in breath? That happened. And then the wails come out. But the first thing that happened was the withdrawal from the suffering. That's one's right effort that the Vajrayana are talking about. The right effort that becomes spring-loaded so that there's really no effort at all. It's automatic. As soon as you see that suffering, you immediately withdraw from it. And you've been doing that a lot. Yeah, to the point that yeah. it kind of feels like 
I've passed some point of no return, and here I am looking back like, oh, but wait. <laughs> yes, I know, exactly. And I expect you to do that a few more times. That's just the nature of the path that we have to deal with the wisdom of recognizing that it's always better to stay on the path than it is to crawl into the gutter. And even if we crawl into the gutter intentionally, it's better to then get out of the gutter and get back on the path than it is to stay in the gutter. And every time that you entertain going into the gutter and you don't do it, you're tearing your mind apart. If you entertain going into the gutter, <coughs> you might as well go on into it with a unified mind so that you can really see it and then you'll hop right back out. Well, it just, I, when the mind is unified, I just don't, there's absolutely no reason to go there at all. Right, what duh. <laughs> exactly. And so, so then, then, then every now and then the fear of, oh shit, I really don't want to go there. Fuck. That means I'm never going to get laid again. Yeah, I remember saying exactly that to myself. I remember what year it was. <laughs> oh, shit, I'll never get laid again. Oh, poor me. <laughs> I wasn't true, but that was an emotional point in time. <laughs> and along with this goes, you know, growing acceptance of death and impermanence and that I could die right now. I could just die. Can you do it happily? Well, I think so. Okay. But when I'm if telling you this... you die happily, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> when I'm telling this story, it's like, well, I'd really like to get laid again before I die. <laughs> well, you can go find a girl who'll do that, I suppose. Go out on the internet and say, I'm about to die. Can I get laid first? <laughs> and you don't lie. Out there? <laughs> don't lie. Yeah, don't lie. <laughs> I'm about to die. It's not a lie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, the he's a limp dick. That's why I'm about to die. <laughs> I can't stand it as a limp dick. So if you make love to me, it will be my last. But you won't get anything out of it. Please come. <laughs> what have I done? What have you done? You have started to grow up. You've started to mature. You're beginning to put away the toys of childhood. How about the toys of adulthood? There are no toys of adulthood when we use the word adulthood correctly. It's the guys who don't grow up that want to play with those toys. They're not adults. They're not about then, in fact, in, in the old Indian tradition, that it was expected that by the time that a man had grandchildren, that it was time for him to finish. I think the, the lifetime is, is either, yeah, I think it's 50. The age of 50 is the time in India for the elders to actually become elders. 
and I'm just stop messing around. And by that time, if they've got the wife who's the same age and she's finished with her menopause, she's good to go with that. Right, and I've heard about that whole system, you know, these stages of life that they have. And I think to myself, right, cool. Well, I've kind of skipped a couple of chapters. Well, that's the spiritual path to go ahead and, 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 and skip over 20 years of yet more suffering and grief and wanting things you don't have and not being sure about the love and all of that. That's the whole point. If you can, if you can think of and have the concept that you can finish with sexuality by the time that you're 50, then start in this direction. Every year, you take a, a year off of the end of it and say, okay, I'll do it at 49. And so two years from now, you're down to 48. And start thinking about it that way. And pretty soon after two, three or four years, you'll say the hell with this. I'm ready right now. Just, I don't need this stuff anymore. It's just too painful. But well, you're I not can... ready to do well, that yet. Well, when I'm not ready, I'm not ready. When I'm ready, I'm ready. And it's more moment by moment than Precisely year by year. so. Yes, it is. It's, in fact, it is a whole lot more moment by moment than it is years by year. You're exactly right. I'm just giving you a mental trick. Hmm. It's just a mental trick to get you to realize that, hey, you can get over this. Yeah, I can. And there is fear in that. And when you and so long as you continue to hold the fear, you suffer. And so long as you want to have something you don't have, you suffer. And as soon as you can recognize that, then you can say, wait a minute, at least right now I can put all of that stuff out of my mind and at least enjoy this moment. And you keep coming back to the original practice. Never mind. Start again. Enjoy the moment. <clears throat> don't think about it. When that when that foreign sight freezes, say, well, I don't need it anyway. Never mind. Let's go back to the breath. I can close my eyes. I don't need this dopamine hit. Besides, that one's got a hair on it. They didn't shave it well enough. <laughs> you can start finding fault with it, in fact. While you're doing, this is an old technique. For the fat guy, for instance, who really loves a fried potato, so the hypnotist will, will um, hypnotize him get him to imagine really good french fries, the very best there are. And then as he talks, he begins to let the french fries get stale, old, cold, greasy, salty, undelicious. And besides, we're already full of french fries now, and we don't want any more. And so the hypnosis is, le is left with, now all french fries look like this, old, greasy, cold, not delicious. I hadn't thought about that, but you can do this with porn too. <laughs> yeah, but it's scary. It's letting go of old, greasy, cold, <laughs> with a hair or two. <laughs> I really have something to to prove. I can really feel that. 
when All I right, well, prove to yourself to that you can do that porn scene, and when you see that young, delicious thing, you can say, wait a minute, that thing's going to get old, it's going to get greasy, it's going to have herpes, it's going to have STDs, right. it's going to have a worm crawling out of it, it's got a piece of glass in there, Give, be careful, don't cut yourself. <laughs> I, I can absolutely hear the, the practicality of this method. Absolutely. But you see, what I'm missing in all of this is having been there and done that. I haven't. I haven't been there and done that. I haven't had a lot of women. You haven't had an old greasy one, huh? <laughs> I'll send you an address. <laughs> but you don't need my address list. You can go find your own. Oh, but I can't because yes, it can. never worked out for me. No, it's, it's not ever going to work out for you. You're too far along the path now. You're going to be too, using too much wisdom and not enough uh, hormones. And you don't want that anyway. You know how to make a hormone? Don't pair. But that's really dangerous. <laughs> it's probably got a gun. <laughs> For precisely that yeah. occasion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first thing that we have to do now, again, is to separate the physical from the emotional and start to deal with the emotional. And you can do that exactly the same way that you started meditation. When the thoughts of I like it come up, you can say I like it, but I don't want it. What I do like, what I do want is to take a deep, long in-breath and be the lion who is champion of his own pecker that he does not need these porn images to make us feel good. We can feel good without it. I can feel that I'm in exactly the same, though to a lesser intensity, the same predicament that I was in when I was on retreat, that I'm afraid of practice. I'm afraid of letting this go. Okay. We'll go suffer for a while. And when you wake up in that suffering and you recognize, wait a minute, <laughs> a second, wait a minute. Hmm. <laughs> then you can tell me how wonderful it is that you've gotten yourself out of that because I know you'll do it. You've done it before at least twice. <laughs> Can't come out of it. But we have to have this conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it comes back to choice. If I want to go into the world and fight another round, well, that's an option. But, yes. but then, then again, this, this mystery of like, I don't feel that I really have that option. And here's that something to prove. It's never been as simple for me as, okay, I'm going to go suffer. I'm going to go get laid and we'll see what that's like. It's never worked out like that for me. If it, if it had, maybe I'd be well, all right does, letting it go. How does it work out? It's like I feel like I make efforts to go get laid and I don't get the results. Right. 
how many guys have that? That it's not as satisfying as it was promised to you when you were a teenager. The whole system is set up. It's the most wonderful, marvelous thing that will happen. It's not. Oh, no, it's but I, only no, 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 a but, biological, and that's no, but, all there is to it. No, but I don't get as far as the biological. <laughs> I don't get as far as. I don't get as far as dates. Well, but part of the reason for that is because you've gotten too selective. What was the kind of girls that you would have dated two years ago? Where are they? I feel like I've always been quite selective. Okay, but girls that go to uh, what? Bars, concerts, where do the girls go to look for guys? Probably online right now. That's the thing. And there's there's this whole weird like it's it's just such a complicated stack of cards. It's so weird. It seems that people aren't really talking to strangers anymore. Because everyone has this this online thing to hide behind where it's more anonymous, it's easier. You can ditch someone if you don't like them with no consequences. You don't have to ever speak to them again. You can just disappear much safer, much easier. That's what people are looking for. The women are looking for safety. Yeah. Yes, guys are dangerous. We've been dangerous since we ever got a club. The first club that a man had made his made all the women's lives dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so then where the women are going, I guess, would be online. And the issue with that is that it's it's got this whole disposable thing going on everyone is aiming high naturally right and everybody's disappointed mm -hmm. except for match.com because they've got a revenue stream now let me exactly put that as to a football game the exact same thing happens at a football game there are winners there are losers and the only people who are satisfied are the vendors because they made the money off of the crowd the more beer that's drunk, the better off they are. The more French fries and yogis or hoagies or whatever it is that they sell, the better the vendors like it. So if all-out warfare breaks out out on the field, they love it because they can make some money off of it. So now they've just opened a website and they're having that same warfare, only they call it <laughs> love rather than sports. But it's all the same thing. And I see this and that. And no one's satisfied. The whole system is not satisfactory. It's not a satisfying way of living. And when you recognize that, you'll stop trying to get satisfaction out of a system that's not built to give you any satisfaction. That's why Mick Jagger is in business. I can't get no satisfaction. And he tried and he tried and he tried and, and he tried and neither one of you could get no satisfaction. Because you're not going to get it from that kind of world. It does not come from pussy. And I can see that, but it feels abstract. If I was sitting here as 
someone who had been a stud and got all the pussy in the world and said, that doesn't satisfy me. That's very different to me sitting here. Except that that guy is probably going to be more attached to it than you are. Mm. Let me give you two examples of that. One is Achan Po. He and I talked about that. That he said he recognized that because he had been a monk from childhood, that he never had to deal with stuff that even the Thai boys have to deal with in the Thai society. He was really, really lucky. He knew it. He saw what was going on. He could see the misery that it was causing in the society, and he felt really lucky to have never had to deal with that. Okay, so think about it like that. Now, let's give you the other example. The other example is psychotherapy. Back in the 1970s, there was an entire industry built up around what they would call encounter groups or other such words that were used when the idea was is to get your anger out that don't cling to your emotions, don't keep your emotions suppressed. You know, you hold that whole movement. There was EST and Lifespring and a number of other systems that were that were brought up um, that, in fact, Werner Earhart wound up at uh, Rice Niche mm-hmm. because he was looking for ways of making even more money. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Werner Earhart and Est no. and Life Spring and all of that? These were organizations out of the, out of the 70s. Some of them made a lot of money, but a lot of it had to do with encounter. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they did at Lifespring was they said, figure out who it is in this room that you do not like, and you go and stand next to that person. And it winds up that one or two people in there have almost half the crowd or more standing in front of them. How are they going to deal with it if they don't have the skills? These people did not think that through very well. Especially when they start telling them why they don't like it, and the guy's got to stand there and take it. So... Now let's go to the next point, and that is when they get the batons, they get boxing gloves, pillows. In fact, the first thing that they started doing was get your anger at your mother out by banging the pillow. I hate you, Mom. I hate you. And they would start banging the pillow. And then they had batons that were long sticks that were um, uh, well padded with a big padded thing on the end of it. And so people could fight with these things. That whole system was put out of business with a set of court cases that made everybody wake up to you do not want to make people angry intentionally. Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't want to do that because you're building up something, you're getting them riled up, and now they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, they might have had a fight there at uh, at the meditation retreat hall or wherever it was. But then they go home and they've still got that anger and now they're ticked off at the wife for no reason. They don't even know why. Because all of this stuff is brought up wrongly. So encounter groups actually went by the wayside because they were not useful, wholesome, or beneficial in a really, really strong duke way. Mm-hmm. All right. So now you're asking me about that same thing too. And I'm saying that, hey, a dozen will do you. You do not need 35 or 200 or whatever notches or crotches under your belt to prove to yourself that you're stud enough. You're already stud enough. Do you know how many young men who have 
let us say, crying the same tears that you're crying right now, who don't have even one, this is not even 12, not even their first one. Mm -hmm. And you remember how many jokes there were about it and how much male ego and all of that stuff is wrapped up in, I am not a man until I get laid. Oh, yeah. You prove yourself 12 times over, give it a break. You have proved yourself 12 times over and you still don't believe it. How many times will you have to get laid before you finally get it? That there are lots of good fish in the sea and you do not have to catch them all. Which is why it's an ego thing and it has no real basis in objective reality. It's just an old, old story. A lie that you were told. Yeah. To make you do what the society has decided that you should do. But now that you're a lion, now that you have your own show about what is suffering and what is not suffering, you can choose wisely how to deal with that world. Because you've almost already come to the point of recognizing that there is no joy in that world. Not in the dating sites, not in the brothels, not on the uh, web, um, not in the bars, not in the meditation places. There is no happiness in that world. But the first part of the statement, which you haven't caught on to yet, is, oh, boundless joy to find out at last there is no happiness in the world. But you're getting there. You understand that, that there is no happiness in the world, and you don't like it a bit. Damn, I know there's no happiness in the world. They've lied to me! Ye shall know the truth. I want a redo. I want a retake. Let's rebuild this thing. Let's put some women out there that I can actually have. <laughs> but when you come to understand, oh, boundless joy, that to, to find it last, there really is no happiness in the world. It's not going to be there for you. And you've already woken up to that three or four times. So I'm just repeating the Dhamma because I love to hear it. <laughs> and I can't imagine it's likely that there's ever a point at which someone says, OK, I've had enough. I've put my hand in the fire enough. I know conclusively that there is no amount of hand putting in fire that's going to have me say, okay, cool. Okay. That may or may not happen. Or you may have to stick your hand back in the fire four or five times. Luckily, this time you called me instead of sticking your hand in the fire. <laughs> I got as far as going out for one drink last night. And then I was just like, I, there's no reason for me to be here. Oh, boundless joy to find at last there is no happiness in the world. But you really have to get that there is no happiness there. And then slowly that joy builds to, well, oh, wow, I'm really glad to find that out. Because <laughs> I've been burning myself trying to get something valuable out of the world, and it has always failed me.
There's no happiness in the world. And you're learning that and you don't like it a little bit. And I say, congratulations, Danny. You're really coming along the path now. <laughs> you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. But first, what is it going to do? <laughs> Piss me off. <laughs> Over and over and over again in some cases. <laughs> I remember really early on, years ago, hearing Ramdas talk about uh, just wanting to forget and eat one more slice of pizza and burn the roof of his mouth and wolf it down and wash it down with a litre of Coke and love the whole experience and he said but once you know it's empty it's empty yes there is no happiness in the world the world is empty the world and the whole system of the world has been lying to you because everyone is confused about how to become happy mm-hmm and so many of the ones who are in great power think that they can become happy by exploiting you. The Catholic Church has been doing that for, gosh, centuries. The reason, you know, that they even had the rhythm method and all that kind of stuff going for so long was because the Catholics actually intentionally, quite openly, without any fanfare, but definitely this was their program to have as many Catholic babies as possible, period. That was their goal. That was their mindset. Hence, no contraception. Hence, no contraception. Hence, uh, do everything that they can to get people into doing it. So they intentionally want people. But see, now there's a new thing on the world stage, and that is world population. In those old days when the Catholic Church was doing their thing, they just wanted more Catholics. That's all they cared about. Now we recognize, wait a minute, things are different now. Things are really, really different now. But the issue about the pleasure and doing it and doing it for the service and doing it for God and doing it for country and doing it for the queen and doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it takes a bit of wisdom because you can see how many times that's put into the program. Literally, the, the, uh, the, the program of the rites, rules, and rituals is soaked in sexuality and sensuality in the Western mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're beginning to figure out by seeing what's going on that there is no real pleasure in that. But you remember when you were a teenager that you said, oh, the, the pleasure of sex is so great that there is no other pleasure that's as good as that one. That's the best there is, right? But now you recognize, wait a minute, it may not all, I mean, it's just a, and then it's over. That is really not what it's cracked up to be. It's a biological discharge, and that's all. And we're told yeah. how ple- pleasurable it is. Yeah, but is it really that pleasurable? Well, surely <laughs> if you if you find 
a really good partner who you have emotional connection with and a really truly good relationship then it is making love okay and surely there's pleasure to be found in that along with all the suffering that's around the outside (laughs) (laughs) yes yes that's that's true the question is is when does that balance scale tip That it starts out all pleasure and, and little pain, but over time that balance shifts. The the, uh, the pleasures become routine. It gets stale. It gets old. It gets to be a uh, a burden, a chore, a duty, uh, a release. But it never. And that's one of the problems with married love. Mm-hmm. Is after five or six or seven years, both partners are ready for something new and they're not supposed to because they've got kids. You see, in the old, old days, six years old was enough to let the kid go out and track his own <laughs> rabbits. But now in modern society, that the society itself is so complex that we do not get good value out of six-year-olds. They're still really, really babies and they still need to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now I think the actual age is what twenty five, twenty six. It's getting later and later. Yeah, right. So we need to keep these babies in diapers longer and longer, which means we need to have the relationship between daddy and mommy longer and longer and longer. Mm-hmm. But leave that to the people who want to have babies and have a reason and a rationale for having babies, because now it's a choice. We have all kinds of contraceptives. We have all kinds of birth control. We have all kinds of, um, um, let us say, abortion products that are on that are available. Mm-hmm. But that the uh, the church ladies they don't want that to happen because they want to be able to control the religion and the bodies of women. I don't know why they. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't get that. But there is a new world out there, but you, at your generation, is kind of caught in the middle of it. The sexual revolution is underway, but it hasn't stormed the the gates of the palace yet. Mm -hmm. The revolution hasn't taken over, it hasn't won, and the old guard that, that says that we can make money and profit off of everybody's sexuality, all we have to do is make sure they want it a lot. And so you have companies like Revlon, Max Factor, Gucci, uh, Ferrari, all of those companies are in business because they promote sexuality. Mm-hmm. What kind of world would this be if people did not have sex on the brain and the only things that were for sale in the stores were utility, functional, useful tools, etc., like that? There would be no cosmetic world. There would be no cosmetic industry. There would be no um, cosmetic surgery. The people would dress on their own naturally because they like it the way that it looked in uh, 1949 in, in China. Everybody's wearing drab gray because that's what they wanted to give everybody clothes. So let's do the cheapest clothes we can do. Now everybody wears cheap clothes because that's the easy way out. But you know, for so many years, and it's actually quite built into our society that the clothes make the man. Mm-hmm. How you dress and what your appearance is is a dead giveaway immediately in our culture of what status you have. Mm-hmm. 
And believe me, old Domadus that come out of the woods wearing a pair of old shorts and running around barefoot are not sexual objects. <laughs> <laughs> not in this culture. <clears throat> if you're going to have to find a very special woman that's looking for a Domadus. And most of the women who are special enough to know that they're looking for a Domadude are really not looking for a Domadude anymore anyway. They've their pennies with Domadudes and everything else, too. They're on their own, and they've got satisfaction, and they don't need you. Isn't that marvelous now that you don't need them? And so everybody can be friends without trying to exploit each other. It's sexuality and exploitation go hand in hand in that culture. Mm -hmm. And it's based upon every one of the people in that culture is not good enough the way they are. The mm -hmm. girls are not pretty enough. They need a dress. The girls are not pretty enough. They need a pair of shoes. The guys are not handsome enough. They need a suit. Right. And I see that dating as it is, is buying into that. And I don't mm -hmm. agree with it. That's so I'm, right. I'm, as soon as I enter into it, I'm incongruent. Exactly. And you're looking for unification of mind. Uh -huh. And I congratulate you for that. And that's what the Vajrayana are teaching you also, is to let's have that non-duality. Let's not go there because it's dangerous. And the society has when that which you have been uh, tricked into believing their side of the story, that's a lie. So here's what it is, is it's yet another Santa Claus story that I'm finding out isn't real, and that is sad. <laughs> oh, boundless joy to find it, lads, there is no Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 yes. Oh, boundless joy to find at last there is no magic pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the whole point. It is a Santa Claus story. And look how much money is made off of it. Mm -hmm. At least half of the uh, gross domestic product is selling sex. Why? Because it sells. Why? Because the people have been convinced of a lie. And how were they able to be convinced? Because of biology. Exactly. But the dogs, they do biology. They don't do emotional needs. You don't see a dog putting on lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> Nor a pig, for that matter. <laughs> They live their lives much more naturally. And here these two dogs being female, they, they gang up on any males that come in. They've got it wired. They know exactly how to handle things. They've got each other. And they do not need a male. And so when, when a male comes and starts stepping, especially Lucky, because she's, she's the younger one, that as soon as Boom Pooey shows up on the scene, now it is territorial. It is no longer a mating instinct. It is territorial. And you guy, get out. <laughs> this is our place. Mm. And that works really well. 
but that's the way that uh, that it works in the animal world that we don't have in this Western world of protecting of the family and um, and other things like that. So the young women feel exposed and not helped. That in more primitive societies, or actually in in Buddhist societies, the families take an important role in that not quite up to the level of uh, the worst aspect of it being an arranged marriage where the daddies are interested in, or at least the daddy of the bride is interested in the money that he can get out of it. But because this is a more matriarchal society, it's the grandmothers and the mothers who start to pick out what's the right kid. Mm-hmm. And so that so it happens on a more natural way here, but it's also the families are involved to where in the West, one of the things that I remember was I was resenting my mother as a teenager because she wouldn't help me at all. Mm. She would not do even one little thing to where a lot of the other mothers would get the clothes and get the, you know, and find the people and all of that kind of stuff. So some moms perform that now that i look back on it i can say mom thanks a lot for not trying to help me <laughs> but i resented it way back when that she wouldn't give any help no advice nothing mm-hmm. and yeah. and so there's that that kind of duality that's in there but now that you're recognizing how fraught it is with danger that there is really no happiness in that and that you have the ability to get your own Juices flowing, literally, the juices of joy and happiness and satisfaction and uh, the lion's position that you're above that, that you don't need that, that you can handle it very well without it. Or if you do decide to go into the gutter, go into the gutter with full knowledge and full permission for yourself so that you take a unified mind into the gutter. Don't leave half your mind on the path and half the mind in the gutter, which is what you're doing now. You're tearing yourself apart. Yeah, it's not going to yeah. work. It's not going to work. I'm not going to be able to leave the path behind. Well, go piddle in the gutter for a little while and then come back and pick yourself up, dust yourself off and take a bath. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not gonna, no, I'm not going to be able to go into the gutter and leave the path behind. <laughs> Excellent. One last time in the gutter, huh? No, no thanks. <laughs> it's not Excellent. it's not gonna be possible. I'm really glad we're having this conversation. We need to post this because the young guys should be able to recognize there's gonna come a time when you can see that danger, you can see that problem, and you're not gonna go back into that gutter again. Congratulations, Danny. You're really moving on the path. That's exactly the right thing to say. You've come to the right conclusion, and you've done so basically in this conversation. Because you were, you're a whole lot more unified in your mind right now than you were when we started this conversation. Congratulations. Yeah. You're on the path, bro. I know. Yeah. Isn't it marvelous? I'll tell you in a couple of days. <laughs> oh, boundless joy to find at last. There is no magic pussy. <laughs> so you see, though, I'm. Uh, 
can we post this video privately and link guys to it who need it? Because I send people who I know in daily life to the YouTube channel. And this is a bit personal. No, it's not. Everybody has this. Name me one person who does not have this issue. And we'll go down well, and balance scrape in front different. of him for a while. Sorry? <laughs> and we'll go down and balance scrape in front of him for a while. <laughs> oh, oh, magic <laughs> being. Oh, ooby dooby gobby gobby rah rah Aren't you the magic one? No, oh, it won't come up. It won't come up. Oh, magic. Oh, magic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, the issue is slightly different for women. I know we've been covering that as well, but I have sent women who I know to the channel and um, some who I don't even really know that well. So, If you want it, we don't have to post this. I tell you what, I'll put it on and leave it as draft and you can do with it as you like. Yeah, you can, you can list them privately so that what, you can send a link to someone but okay. it's not there on the channel for everyone to see. Okay. All right. Do you so know I'll, how to set that up? Yeah, I'll take care of it. Okay. All right. I'll leave it as draft when I post it. Cool. It'll have the word sex in it and Danny. So <laughs> 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 something like Danny can't get no satisfaction. Or yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, that'll be the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll leave it as draft. Great. I take that this has been marvelous. This has been yeah. a really good time. This is not the first time we've gone through this, but you're getting it. It yeah. takes a while. Over and to to learn a really, really beautiful song, you gotta practice it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So that you get it down right. And it looks like that now that you're decided I'm not going to go there anymore. I do not need that visit to the gutter. <laughs> well, I mean, how's how's this for unification of mind? It feels like it's not even a choice. You know, when you really put it that way, that if to go into the gutter, I would have to leave the path behind. That's not. That's non-negotiable. I can't do that at this point. I've seen too much. <laughs> the Buddha knows it that way too. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the path is mm -hmm. when you recognize, oh, I don't even want to get off the path anymore. It's just not worth it. Yeah, and yeah, it's not it's not even like uh it doesn't feel like a choice. In in the traditional sense, it doesn't feel like a I'm gonna choose not to leave the path behind. It's just, but it's stronger than that. You, you don't even yeah. have to go to that part of the, the software to make that choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good, Danny. I'm really, really pleased. In fact, I'm overjoyed. I really love it when I can see guys that are really making it on the path because hmm. it's really hard to do. There are so many roadblocks to the guys getting the Dhamma. Hmm. Okay, so we'll post this the way that you want it, and then we can, <laughs> we can give it to all of the guys. <laughs> we'll distribute it, yeah. Yeah, all righty. Well, well, we'll finish now, and we'll let you go to <laughs> enjoy the fact that there is no happiness in this world. <laughs> Thank you so much, Damarato. 
I really enjoyed this conversation. This is great. There's other topics that we want to talk about, but let's just leave this one as it is. Yeah. And we'll, we'll say adios now. Okay, and we'll talk about some of the other stuff later. <laughs> right. Really, really congratulations, Danny. You're, 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 you're coming along. Excellent. Thank you, Amarato. Thank you. Bye-bye.